Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, if you were here this morning across all of our campuses, we spoke about God throughout creation, creating an environment for us to thrive as human beings. That God didn't create man first, but God created man at the end. And in that environment, He gave us responsibilities. And in that environment, He gave us the ability to thrive and to grow and to be effective. You know, God wants to create great environments in our lives to thrive and grow in 2019. You know, the, I love what the Bible says, that man became a living soul. Like I said this morning, not a fractured soul, not a broken soul, not a half-dead soul, but a soul full of life and energy. Many people, they got it all going on on the outside, but they are broken and fractured on the inside. The Bible says of Jesus, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's a level of life and freedom that you and I as believers can operate in because we serve God, the master of the universe, you know. And so I talked about environments this morning, and, you know, we're going to be doing a series on creation over the next few weeks. Uh, But today, I want to talk to you tonight about what is left for our souls to thrive. If God creates these wonderful environments for, for us to be effective and grow, then what's left for us? Very simply this, it's our ability to take action with what He has given us. You know what I love about creation? It speaks about a thought-out, planned action and decision-making that produced the wonder of the world that we live in today. Not random chaos. You know, this year, you and I can take action to bring health to our soul, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Chaos didn't produce this world. Randomness didn't produce the beauty and the wonder that we see today. You know, think about this underlying idea of the Big Bang Theory, right? That it was all random. It was all reactionary. It was all chaos over millions of years that produced this. There was no chief architect. There was no thought or insight. There was no intentional, deliberate decision-making. There was no action that was planned from the beginning. It kind of just all happened. That chaos produced this. That chaos produced this beauty and order. That chaos produced the stars in the sky, the limits and the divisions of the land and the sea. Church, if this is the case, then in reality, think about the concept. If chaos produced the the beauty of the world that we live in today, then really chaos should be able to produce the things that we desire in life. If chaos and randomness produces the structure to thrive and to grow, right, then really we don't have to do anything in life. We don't have to be intentional. We don't have to be an architecture of our life. We have to do anything like that at all. If chaos produced this, we can just do whatever we want to do and we will always land in the right place. Now, you and I know that's absolute stupidity. But many people live their lives like that. Random. Whatever comes my way, that is what I'm going to have to deal with. A storm, a current, constantly swept in a different direction. Creation tells us that in order to produce healthy environments, in order to produce healthy purposes, 
In order to produce healthy outcomes, intentional action is necessary. And I would say this to you today, you can take action in 2019 to shift some of the things in your life that you're not happy with. You know, another phrase for action is something done, not something happened. Many people live their lives with something happened. Yet action talks about something that can be done. What are you going to do this year? What action will you move in your own life to become healthier in your soul? Creation is powerful because we see God at work fashioning, molding, shaping, getting his hands dirty to create mankind. I love what it says in Genesis 1 verse 26 to 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and all, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move upon the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You know, the word rule means to take possession of, to govern, to take ownership of. You know, often we talk about circumstances ruling our lives. This passage flips that order around. It's basically saying that we have the responsibility to take charge of circumstances, not circumstances ruling our lives. Many people see their lives like a current, current events. A current that they're in that takes them down the stream. I'm a spectator, I'm an observer of what's going on. That life dictates to me the health of my soul. I think it's one of the greatest lies the enemy throws at us as Christians, that life can dictate the health of your soul. No, you can make a decision to bring health and vitality to the things that God has actually given you. That's why prayer and fasting is so powerful. It's the beginning of doing something to direct your boat in the current, something that is powerful, something that involves the creator of the universe. I want to give you four actions that hopefully will stir your faith today as we begin on this period of 21 days of prayer and fasting. See, it's not just a time to pray and you know, think of abstract ideas, but it's a time to evaluate where you are in life. Time to make some decisions about where God wants to take you in life. The first action that I want to talk about this morning is very simply, to, uh, this, uh, tonight, is simply to move. To move forward. To move this year from where you have been. To move recognises that you and I can do better. We have not reached the pinnacle. We have not arrived at the pinnacle of knowledge and inspiration and skill set. There is still more to do. You can move this year from where you have been to where God wants to take you. To move means that you have a vision that is still yet unfulfilled, a purpose still yet unrealized. So you're not going to stay where you are. You're not going to stay in your negativity. You're not going to stay in your discouragement. You're not going to stay in woe is me and I can't break through. You understand that there's still a vision. There's still a purpose. There's still a desire. There's still something that God has put upon your heart. I have purposes yet to, yet to materialize. Every year I move closer to my goals. Sometimes it's a slow move. Sometimes it's a move nevertheless, but I won't stay still. One of the things that I always challenge myself is to adopt a new skill set. New skill set. So this year I'm learning how to build apps. I'm telling you, I got a pizza app that I reckon is going to revolutionize the world. I'm not saying anymore. 
But one day when I drive into church in Maserati, you will know that I, my pizza app has gone off. I don't want to stay still. I want to move. Keep moving. Number two, the second action that leads to a healthy soul is a responsive action. To move, to respond. I read this once out of a book. It says the most toxic environment is a non-response environment. The most toxic environment is a non-responsive environment. Non-responsiveness is toxic to our soul. Have you ever met someone that you have given a level of vulnerability and they haven't responded? Or you've opened up about your concerns, hoping that they would reciprocate and they've given you nothing? I call it passive aggressive. You liked their photo and they didn't reciprocate. You made a comment on Instagram and you got zero back. Next week you're seeing a psychologist. In all of life's situations, what makes our soul healthy is how we respond. Well, this is a big one, that we actually respond. We actually do something with what we have been confronted with. Church, God has given us his word. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He's poured himself out on the pages of this book called the Word of God. He's been vulnerable with us. He's shown us how much He cares for us. He's presented it to us. He's done everything for us. If you want to tap into everything that God has for your life, you need to respond to the purpose and the will of God for your life. Non-responsiveness is toxic to our soul. Often in grief counseling, they speak about not holding it in because sooner or later it's going to come out on its own. When I ask you today, how do you respond to failure, criticism, hurtful situations? Let me say this, non-response is is not a response. It's not something that's going to help you and make you function well. When you go through a challenge, when you go through a difficult, when you go through criticism, yes, publicly you may not say anything, but as you walk away having to process that and deal with that, not sweep it under the carpet, not ignore it, not pretend it never ever happened. As you confront some of the challenging areas of your life, let me encourage you to respond healthily in 2019. It is healthy for your soul. Jesus makes this powerful statement, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But woe to you who are listening. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the other cheek, turn them to the other as well. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even if sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. I'm telling you, that is quite a confronting scripture in all areas of life. Right? But what, what is he saying? He's saying the goal is to respond in a healthy, godly way. The third one is this. The third action that's going to bring health to your soul is the action to dig deeper. To dig deeper. That in your own life, in the things where things have stalled, and the things that you're not seeing fruit, and the things that you are not seeing productivity, 
and the things that you are seeing frustration and things that you may feel that you've been overlooked, to ask why and then improve. To ask why am I not breaking through? Why am I not seeing the results that I was hoping for? To dig deeper means to ask some difficult questions about yourself that only you and the Holy Spirit can answer. You know, one of the big actions in life is to adjust your approach if things are not going to plan. You know, pilots, I don't know anything about flying, but I can tell you this, pilots adjust their approach according to the weather patterns. And I'm sure autopilots have a whole bunch of adjustments in place. They don't say that we've locked into the flight plan that when we land in Melbourne, the temperature is going to be perfect and the wind is going to be non-existent and it's going to be absolutely amazing and that is going to be our standard fix for everything. Imagine if they just had one setting called the clear sky setting. It would be a disaster. Church, many people in life have one setting. This is who I am, don't change me. This is who I am. I'm locked into my one setting. I'm locked into my one setting the way that I respond in life. I'm locked into my one setting the way that I think that people should treat me. I'm locked into my one setting in the way that I handle pressure in my life. That is my setting. Well, it works well if everything lines up to your expectation. You look at Jonah, he had one setting. Jonah was completely inflexible. One setting, inflexible to the will of God. He goes and he speaks the message that God has given him. To his surprise, the king of Nineveh, Nineveh actually repents. It's not exactly what Jonah wanted. Jonah wanted them to burn in hell. The Bible says that God decided not to pursue his course of action. Look at this in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. Jonah's furious. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. <laughs> this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. I'm sorry, Jonah. God decided to change the goalpost. And you're all fired up and upset. <laughs> this is God's new plan, but it was a change. It was a great plan, but it was a change. Church, when we live with one setting, it works when everything lines up to our expectation. But it doesn't work in 99% of situations. Why? You may want to write this down. Because life doesn't behave. Life does not behave. People do not behave. Circumstances do not behave the way we want them to. And so we need to adjust. We need to change. The only one who gets it perfect on the first go is God. But we adjust. We dig deeper. We rediscover how to go further. We look at our game plan. We look at what we felt we would have success in, and then we don't. We fail. We readjust. We replan. We go back. We tweak ourselves. We become better. We learn more. We study more. We press into God more. It doesn't work. We go back again. We develop. We train. We go harder because we want to get it right. Can I encourage you this year to dig a little bit deeper? The fourth one is this. The fourth action I want to encourage you to take this year is very simply the action to try. Can I encourage you with me, let 2019 be a year that we're all a bunch of tryhards. <laughs> you move, you respond, you dig deeper, and finally you try again. 
to try and to try, adjusting each time until you see the breakthrough. To try in dictionary means to test. That's really what you're doing when you try and you don't succeed. You're really testing your method. Every time you try and you fail, and someone mucks you on the sidelines, you can look them in the eye and say, I was expecting that, I was just testing my method. We've heard this quote before, Edison, when inventing the light bulb, said, I have not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that it won't work. <laughs> the word to try means to be subjected to some strain. Often we try, it's a strain and we give up. But in your prayer and your fasting, your commitments in life this year, don't give up under the strain. Try, get up, try, get up, try, get up, try, get up, try, get up. We seem to think we can nail it the first go around. Only God is that perfect. One of my favourite uh, Christian uh, teachers is Dr. Henry Cloud. He's written a book called It's Not My Fault. We've got that up on the screen. The book called It's Not My Fault, Who's the Blame? People, Circumstances or DNA? He tells a story of Honda. Who drives a Honda here? You know, Honda is biblical. It all came together in one accord. Man, I'm on fire. The oldies loved it, the youngies went, oh my God. I want the musicians to come. Mr. Honda started the Honda Corporation in his small garage in 1937 before World War II. He had an interest in engines and where he could tune cars and enter into races and so he built himself a little workshop. 1938, he began to believe that he saw a market in developing pistons for the Toyota company and so he invested all that he had in a concept to design a new piston ring that he wanted to sell to Toyota. He worked day and night, often sleeping in his garage floor up to his elbows in Greece working hard, so hard to get the product right. When he finally felt that he got it right, he was so committed to believing that he could do this that even when he'd run out a bit of money, he'd pawned his wife's jewellery so he could keep them afloat for just a few more months just to get the final tweaks going. When he finally completed the piston rings and he presented them to Toyota, he was told that they did not meet the company's standards. And so he was sent back to school for two years where he heard the laughter and the ridicule of his mentor, instructors and fellow students. They mocked his design saying these things will never ever work. But rather than focusing on that and the embarrassment of where he was and the difficulty he found himself in, he kept pushing through. He dug deep, he changed his approach. He became better at what he did. He analysed, he identified what he needed to change. He noticed what was working and what wasn't working. So he changed his approach accordingly. Finally, after two more years, Toyota gave Mr. Honda the contract he dreamed of. They could begin to develop these piston rings for his cars, for their cars. His passion had paid off. He readjusted, he kept moving forward, he kept trying, seeing what he needed to tweak. With the contract in hand, Mr. Honda needed to build a factory and so he began that process to supply Toyota with the thousands, if not millions of piston rings to drive their cars. But building materials were in short supply. The Japanese government was preparing for war and they refused to give him the concrete to build his factory. Life wasn't playing ball, circumstances had changed. 
Did he complain? Did he give up? Did he say, I'm done with this? No. He utilises the challenges of his current climate and him and his team got together and they invented a new concrete making process that enabled him to build the factory, to provide the piston rings, to fulfil the contract. With the factory now built, it was ready for production. But during the war, the factory was bombed twice. Steel became unavailable too. Major parts of his operation were completely destroyed. Think about the journey just to get to the point. He hasn't even started production yet. He has not even realised his dream. What was his response? He could have given a no action response. I'm done, that's it, I've had enough. No more action, no more moving forward. No more thinking big, a non-responsive environment. No, he rallied his team together. He said, come on, we're going to rebuild this thing. He started to collect surplus gasoline cans that were discarded by the US fighters. There were hundreds of them lying around. He called them gifts from President Truman. They became the new raw materials for him to rebuild his manufacturing process. Materials, steel that was unavailable at that time because of the shortage of the war. He began to rebuild the factory. He was ready to go. After all that work, he was on the road to a new beginning. Just when they were about to go again, an earthquake hit Japan. Completely destroyed his factory. In the end, he had to sell what remained of his piston operation to Toyota. This man took action every step of the way. This man adjusted and tweaked, but life wasn't playing ball. The environment wasn't really lining up to what he wanted to do. And in the short term, it looked like a complete disaster. But after the war, when things settled down, an extreme gasoline shortage hit the Japan. He couldn't even use his car to get his food for his family. The shortage forced people to walk or to use their bicycles. In desperation to get around quickly, Honda decided to build a tiny engine that he could attach to his bike. That helped him get around. The moment he drove out of his driveway, the neighbours began to see this little putt-putt machine driving out. They said, we want one as well. Can you help build one for us? Materials couldn't be found. He was unable to supply the demand. And so Mr. Honda rode to 18,000 bicycle shop owners individually. It wasn't the days of the internet or computers. And in an inspiring letter, asked them to help him revitalize Japan. 5,000 people responded. They advanced him what little money they had so that he could actually build his tiny bicycle engines. The first models were a disaster. They were too, too bulky, too heavy to work well. So he continued to develop and adapt until finally the small engine, the supercar, became a reality and was a great success. Can we have that up? There you go. It was an overnight success. It went right throughout the world. I'm telling you, I've, I've been to Southeast Asia many times. There are millions of these things driving around. Mate, older than when Adam was a boy. With success in Japan, Honda began exporting his bicycle engines to Europe and America. It exploded all around the world. In the 1970s, there was, there was another gas shortage, this time in America. Americans back then built massive cars. And so automotive fashion turned to small cars. Honda was quick to pick up on the trend. Experts would now say the small engine design, the company started making tiny cars smaller than anyone had ever seen. They rode another wave of success. He makes this, he makes this statement. Now, 
Many years later, he said, we have consistently chosen a most difficult path filled with hardship. We've consistently chosen a most difficult path filled with hardship. We must possess the will to challenge difficulties and the wisdom to create new values without being bound by established standards. We will not be bound by what we see now. We'll be bound by what we actually believe we need to do. And we do not wish to imitate others. Let me read a biblical quote of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for Him to be taken to heaven, Jesus set His face like a flint to Jerusalem. He set out a problem to fix humanity. He didn't hypothesize. He didn't pontificate. He didn't go up in some mountain and have some Zen experience. He did something. He fixed the greatest problem that was unfixable in the world's eyes. He brought man back into relationship with God. He moved the goalposts once and for all. So you and I, when we were unmovable, God came down to us. We serve a God who moves. We serve a God who responds. We serve a God who believes us, puts His hand upon us. And sometimes, I'll be honest, we sit there and we whinge and we complain and I don't have enough and I don't have this and I don't have that. God, help me. Can we shift the goalposts this year in 2019? It's time to act. It's time to respond. It's time to move. It's time to dig a bit deeper. All those things provide us with a wonderful foundation for God to do something very powerful in our lives. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.